African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us. Good morning uh, for another installment of African Dialogue. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatam. I'll be with you until midday right here on the shortwave service on um, the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on DSTV on channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Remember, you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, uh, today we're zooming into a health story in South Africa looking at the listeriosis outbreak uh, which uh, we've been following uh, since uh, December and uh, initially when we had uh, the health minister of South Africa in the show uh, he did highlight the fact that uh, at the time it wasn't something too serious it wasn't really uh, an outbreak as was highlighted by the media but he's currently come out uh, really confirming that it has become an outbreak a lot of developments have actually uh, come out since then we've had more deaths from listeriosis ever since and now we're seeing um, activists and uh, lawyers uh, actually coming out and also there's a class action lawsuit that is now going against Tiger Brands due to the fact that they have been implicated in this the lawsuit will be filed on behalf of the families of people who died after eating processed meat contaminated with listeria produced and distributed by the company. This comes after Health Minister Adam Mutsualedi's announcement that the source of the listeriosis outbreak in the country is two brands of Polony by Tiger Brands of Enterprise Foods and Rainbow Chicken. The company has already recalled the processed meat products. Richard Spur says the class action lawsuit is aimed at bringing justice to the victims. Well, before we move on to our guests who are already listening to us on their telephones, as we've called them, we want them to listen to the conversation my colleague Dumelo Zulu had with Dr. Gwen Ramkhopa, who is the Gauteng MEC in health, and really asking her about where this listeriosis crisis started in South Africa. Let's all hear what she had to say. Let us talk about the origins of this outbreak. Where did we see the origins, and then what is it? Um, more in 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 our world, uh, there are certain um, bugs that cause uh, illnesses in human beings, and these are classified into uh, different classifications. The commonly known ones are viruses like HIV, and also bacteria, uh, like uh, even listeria is one of the bacteria. We have a this listeria, uh, bacteria uh, called listeria, in the air, in the soil, everywhere. And uh, usually it doesn't cause illness in human beings. Uh, it hasn't caused illnesses in human beings for many, many years. Uh, so we were taken equally by surprise when uh, a number of tests that are done for patients who don't respond uh, to the antibiotics that we use uh, we usually send these uh, uh, blood tests for culture to check what bugs are there. And uh, that's how we then identify that uh, 
suddenly the Syria is causing a, a resistance in uh, uh, the treatment that we have uh, of uh, uh, the commonly used um, uh, uh, antibiotics. And, uh, and that's how it was uh, discovered that uh, uh, indeed Listeria, uh, we have a Listeria outbreak. Uh, so it is important that uh, we understand this perspective. And that is why um, we then had uh, uh, the national minister making Listeria uh, notifiable. Uh, there are diseases that are notifiable by law. Once they are notifiable, public sector, private sector must make sure that uh, they, when they, whenever it's diagnosed, uh, we, we, the, the national institution uh, for Institute for Communicable Disease for the country is notified so that we can track every case of the outbreak uh, to contain it, to arrest the outbreak. So that's what happened. That's the first step that was taken. The second step, uh, all these steps are simultaneously, was to put the whole country, our especially our environmental health officers, on the alert, our doctors uh, on the alert, both public, private sector, uh, so that uh, uh, whenever there's a patient that uh, uh, has the symptoms that are similar to, uh, that are suggestive uh, to listeriosis, uh, we do those tests and we, we also uh, know uh, what treatment to make. That's uh, Dr. Gwen Ramokhopa, who is the Gauteng MEC in Health, uh, speaking to my colleague there, uh, Dumelo Zulu, early this morning. Well, uh, just uh, to uh, get more on what's happening currently and just to look at uh, how do we respond uh, as a country and also as a, a region. Uh, we're joined by various guests on the line. We've got uh, uh, back on our show, Dr. Uh, Juno Thomas. She's been very busy doing a lot of interviews. I'm sure she's had a lot of meetings to uh, go into uh, uh, Thank you for joining us, Dr. Juno Thomas. She's the head of the Center for Enteric Diseases at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. And also we have on the line Dr. Selva Mudali, or Mudali, who is the president of the South African Institute of Environmental Health. And Dr. Charlotte Nguna joins us from the South African Poultry Association. She is the interim CEO. Let me start the conversation with you, Dr. Thomas. The last time we spoke, things were weren't as serious as they look right now. There's a lot of developments since the last time we spoke, and uh, we weren't really sure if it was an outbreak at the time that we started this conversation uh, sometime in December last year, early January. Uh, Dr. Thomas, it seems like right now a lot has happened. Uh, Where are we with the situation right now? Do we have a control of the situation, especially after identifying that the source of uh, the outbreak could be from the Polonia of Tiger Brand? of uh, Enterprise Foods and Rainbow Chicken. So thank you very much. I, I think, um, as you mentioned, I mean, this, this outbreak has been going on for a while and certainly over the last few weeks there have been dramatic, um, you know, progression in terms of identifying the source and mm. putting into action corrective measures to try and stop the outbreak. However, I think it's very important to keep in mind that we do expect to see cases ongoing for at least a month. And this is because of the long incubation period for listeriosis. So it's the time taken between when a person consumes the contaminated food and they first start becoming ill. And this is typically a few weeks 
but can be mm. as long as 70 days. So there will be people that were consuming the contaminated food items up until you know, the, the Sunday when uh, Minister Motsuledi announced the, you know, the fact that we had located the source of the outbreak sure. and the recall was effected. So we can still expect to see cases. The other issue is that even though the recall was effected um, urgently and you know, the, these products were pulled from, from the shelves of major retailers, there is no guarantee that there aren't still households in the country and small you know, informal grocers or traders that mm. may still have these products and may still be eating them for a while. These products have got typically a long shelf life of four to five months. But we do expect that after a month, we should see the cases starting to decline. And that will be an indication that we were correct in our um, finding that the, the source for the outbreak was food products manufactured at Enterprise Foods Production Facility in Polokwane. And we will continue to monitor that and perform sequence typing to make sure that this particular outbreak strain mm-hmm goes down. Well, I'm going to come back to you. Let me come uh, to our other guests, uh, Dr. Thomas. Uh, um, uh, Dr. Nguna, let me come to you in terms of the response of the South African Poultry Association to this particular issue. I know there were a lot of conversation in terms of safety checks, especially looking at Brazilian meat and poultry industries, and there were concerns around those particular issues. Why was this the appropriate time, Dr. Nguna, for you to raise those particular issues? Uh, Because this has brought uh, uh, a lot of things to the forefront, uh, this issue of listeriosis. Um, thank you for the time. I think what is important to note is that, as it was mentioned before, that um, listeria is, uh, is common in the environment and it's common in many areas, and whenever you swab, you would find it. But it doesn't always cause a problem. So it is then a system that if then there's an issue, then once that's to be deeper to see exactly where the problem is coming from. And it may seem that then suddenly there are issues being raised, but actually it's because of the fact that a non-problem has suddenly become a problem. And in in terms of uh, the uh, production system in in the country, we we normally do tests when we see If we found, then a a management plan is put in place to actually reduce the amount or eliminate it from the process. So it's something that's ongoing, and it is a pathogen that was the OA, but, but one of the bacteria that we identified as one that could be an issue and therefore gets monitored. So it is in the conversation that we had now that these things are coming up, but it will be something that was monitored uh, locally. We monitor it quite uh, significantly, even though it's not in sense listed as one that needs to be monitored, such mm-hmm. as salmonella and all of that, that sure. are regularly monitored. And, and, and when it comes to the issue of imports, we, because we are now looking at where the problem could be coming from, as you would know, this strain, uh, when we've been testing locally, we haven't really found it in the operations um, of the, the abattoirs and things like that locally. So therefore, we, we widen the scope. And Listeria was not really one of the 
pathogens that was tested for regularly at ports of entry, and that has been introduced now because of the problem that we have. So it may seem that things are now suddenly becoming a problem, but that's because we do have a problem, and we do have to find out exactly where it's coming and then be able to eliminate it for the safety of the consumer. Mm. We'll come to those particular issues, especially of uh, uh, the food industry when it comes to safety checks and also just uh, uh, the, the the healthy uh, way of food handling within the industry, especially when it comes to the imports and the exporting of our product. Uh, Dr. Selva um, Mudali, thank you for joining us as well in terms of this very thank huge discussion. Sure. It's, it's very broad, this discussion, because it has asked, we have now asking a lot of questions, as I have highlighted to Dr. Nguna, which are very broad, from packaging issues to food handling management in the industry. And you've also been quoted, uh, Dr. Mudali, in the um, in, in an article really looking at uh, how we actually have to go back to the drawing board and how we we actually uh, deal with our, our food packaging and just the whole the whole food chain in, in the industry. Yes, definitely. I think the first thing is that, yes, we found the source. Excellent work has been done in terms of identifying the cold meat products from enterprise. I think for us, you have to go a little bit deeper. In fact, when you're making cold meats, you get offcuts of chicken, beef, pork, starch, water, all of that, the ingredients. And we must know what is the actual ingredient that created the listerosis to actually grow at this rate. So excellent work has been done, but I think we need to do a little bit more in terms of going even deeper. Uh, where has it come from? That's the one issue. And I think what is happening in the country, we must stop this blaming game that's going on and start dealing with the actual issue. The issue at hand is that there's been this outbreak of listerosis. People have died. And that is what we must take, one too many. And we must deal with this very effectively. And I think the crisis is everybody is blaming environmental health practitioners. It's not health inspectors, it's environmental health practitioners. They're blaming them for what mm-hmm. is going on. But we started in 2013, where we had done the status quo report for environmental health services um, in South Africa, in other words, in municipalities. And we raised this question very early in 2013 about the shortage of environmental health practitioners in the country. Nobody was prepared to listen. This continued in 24, 2014, we produced the report, 2015, 2016, 2017, and very recently in 2018, we produced the report. It shows the definite shortage of environmental factors in the country, irrespective of which sphere of government, whether it's national, provincial, or local government. You have to add the resources to actually do food safety effectively in the country with veterinary services. The veterinary public health officers also have to be part and parcel of this um, inspections that you look at. And every food manufacturer should have a food safety plan, should show us how he or she running this enterprise is able to combat the kind of bacteria, viruses, and what have you in a food enterprise. And this plan should be monitored at least once in three months by the environmental health practitioner. Mm. Unfortunately for us, this has not been happening effectively in the country because of this big human resource problem. The WHO says 1 in 10,000. Not a single municipality in the country reaches that criteria. 
And then we ask ourselves the question, why are they not effective? A lot of people are making statements in the press Mm -hmm. about how ineffective, and I see there was another one from a political party leader yesterday in Facebook saying, what are the environmental practitioners doing in the country? Mm. People need to understand what the problem is. Let's rectify the problem so we don't get any other people dying. Sure. And I said this on numerous occasions, even in the research, mm. that don't wait for a crisis in the country and then react. Let's be proactive rather than react. Well, I'm going to come back. That is a, a sure. basic Thing. Well, let me take a quick break, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Mudali, and I'll come back to you, Dr. Juno Thomas, because I was watching you speak as well on uh, television on Focus, I think, this uh, uh, past weekend, and you were speaking about the lessons that we should be learning uh, from this particular uh, listeria. Uh, listeria uh, what can we actually do uh, in response to it? And I think uh, uh, Dr. Mudali and Dr. Nguna have highlighted various problems that we are having in the country, not that are just because of listeriosis, but it seems like an an entire uh, look at uh, the food uh, industry has to be rechecked. So we'll look at those issues after the break. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunya Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Good news for our listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us uh, right here on Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. It's 11.25 Central African time. Thank you for joining us uh, in the continent as uh, we look at uh, this big problem in South Africa, which is the listeriosis outbreak in the country that has actually brought out a lot of issues within the uh, food industry uh, relating to to health issues. And joining us, uh, we've got Dr. Juno Thomas, the head of the Center for Entric Diseases at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. We've got Dr. Selva Mudali, who is the president of the South African Institute of Environmental Health, and Dr. Charlotte Nguna, the interim CEO of the South African Poultry Association. Dr. Thomas, various um, issues that have come up from both Dr. Nguna and Dr. Uh, Mudali, and uh, there are various uh, lessons that we can learn from this particular outbreak. And uh, you spoke about that this could be an opportunity for us to actually uh, right some wrongs here. So absolutely. I mean, from in terms of healthcare professionals, I think it has been an important learning exercise. Foodborne disease 
is not very well recognized by many healthcare workers around the country. And foodborne diseases where you have two or more persons presenting with symptoms suggestive of foodborne disease that have likely um, had exposure to the same food is actually a notifiable medical condition and has been so for at least a decade. And even then, very few incidents of suspected foodborne disease get notified to the health authorities and then get investigated. So I think it's important for healthcare workers to become aware that foodborne disease is an important public health priority and that even small clusters of disease need to be investigated because they can point towards a larger public health issue that if it gets caught early on, you know, may have important implications in, in, in terms of stopping uh, a, lo a potentially larger outbreak and also um, for prioritizing or, or focusing on a particular area of food safety that might be pertinent for many other uh, manufacturers. So, uh, mm. yes? So, carry on, doctor. So, I mean, that, that's the one thing I think from the healthcare fraternity um, we've learned a lot and I think healthcare workers are definitely more cognizant of how important foodborne disease can be. And then I think just in terms of it being a, an important learning exercise for everyone, for Department of Health, for NRCD, for healthcare workers, for the food industry, um, to, to focus more on an integrated response to dealing with food safety and foodborne disease in the country. Mm. Uh, Dr. Nguna, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because uh, we spoke, we're speaking about a very broad space from uh, the farmer to the processes, to the packaging um, process itself, to finally the retailer. Food is handled by so many people uh, in, in, in the chain until it gets to the consumer itself. So this response is going to actually take uh, a very big effort. You're absolutely correct, and that was going to be my next point, in that in, in terms of the way the, the, the legislation is structured, it's quite fragmented. So, for instance, if you have, I'll take an animal, it goes from the farm, and it goes from the farm to the abattoir. From the abattoir, it goes to either a processing plant or it goes directly to the shop. And at each and every one of those points, you have different people involved. So agriculture gets involved from one point to, to from the beginning to a point, and then health takes over from one point to the next, and whether inspecting services takes over. So there are quite a lot of entities that need to get involved in order to have a product on the shelf that is safe. And that is the challenge because that response or that involvement is not really coordinated. And you may find that one part is well um, looked, monitored, and it's well controlled, and then some parts, for various reasons, are not as well um, uh, controlled. And that already is a problem because ultimately what's required is that a safe product is delivered to the customer or to the consumer uh, at the end of the day. So... The fact that there are many fragments within the chain is not for the consumer's concern. It's actually it, it, background noise, and that's where everybody needs to get involved to make sure that ultimately the consumer gets a safe product. And I think if you remember a few years back, there was um, in uh, Parliament actually uh, asked the various departments to, mm -hmm. to work together to look at a consolidation of this uh, food safety um, 
uh, reactions and to, to look at an agency of sorts that will take care of that. And this was in an attempt to actually find a way, a mm-hmm. way of getting one point where somebody actually says, okay, the food is safe. Regardless of who else is involved along the chain, ultimately we can deliver safe food. And I think that's some of the debate we have to get back to, to see who needs to be involved mm-hmm. and at what level and where does that consolidation happen to ensure that the consumer gets food that's safe. Dr. Midali, do you see this consolidation taking place? Look, I, it's going to take us a very, very long time in terms of the consolidation. But I agree with Dr. Thomas when she says people are aware that it's a notifiable disease. Any food outbreak is definitely a notified disease. All the people in health fraternity knows it. But the systems are broken down. The systems of reporting are broken down. That's the reality, and that's why I say we need to sit down and have a retrospect of what and how we deal with the food industry in terms of this. We actually, as an organization, are calling for an open dialogue with the minister being present. They must make time to listen to the issues. And the integrated response, I agree fully, because we in the health field cannot do something, and then the veterinary services do something else, and somebody else from environment affairs do something else. It has to be an integrated response and the prioritization of food. It's not only food in this country we must prioritize. There are other issues that are serious at the moment uh, that must also be prioritized. So we need to make sure that when we prioritize in terms of our risk management of these, these issues, we actually be able to deal with the issues that we prioritize. And that's what the ministry needs to understand, that it's not only food. Because food happened now, that's why we react. Tomorrow, if there's cancer from the environment, then we're going to react the same way. It is not about changing all of these. It is getting an open dialogue to discuss this issue and find the most suitable solution, irrespective of politics and egos in this process. Because I see a lot of people have made statements. Some are totally incorrect in the way it is put across. That is why we've decided to write to the minister officially in a very open letter, which will be clear about the facts that we think should be dealt with rather than us finding excuses for not doing it. All right. I, I, I want us to look at um, this issue of infrastructural and policy measures that can be taken as a response mechanism, because I think that's where we are with this conversation. But uh, l- let's listen to uh, uh, Dr. Gwen Ramakhopa, who continued to speak earlier on to my colleague uh, uh, Dumelo Zulu, and really uh, looking at uh, the way forward, especially when it comes uh, to what's happening currently. Have we contained or are we in the process of containing the outbreak? And secondly, uh, do you think or are you of the idea that the government, yourselves, have got the upper hand in fighting this outbreak? You know, there is, um, the world has better knowledge about uh, disease outbreaks than we had uh, uh, centuries ago. Uh, but still, we need to work together globally uh, whenever there's an outbreak anywhere in the world because now we have a borderless global um, uh, community and global village. So we have not been working alone as uh, uh, South Africa. We have been working with the support of the World Health Organization and uh, experts, other experts uh, in the world 
uh, to contain uh, this disease. And uh, South Africa also works with other countries. Uh, for instance, South Africa played a very important role uh, in helping to contain um, the outbreak of Ebola um, in, the, in, 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 in the western part of Africa. So we work together globally. We are a signatory of international laws uh, that uh, contain um, uh, diseases because many of our companies are multinationals. Uh, and if there's a problem here, it can easily be transported elsewhere. Uh, if there's a problem in uh, the U.S. or Australia or anywhere, it can be easily transported uh, in our country. So we have to work collaboratively uh, for public health of the people of the world. So that's how we had to work with, the, with the, and we always work with the World Health Organization. When you look at the company Enterprise, do you think there was an air on their side for the outbreak to be as rife as it is now? And again, is there a need for the public to panic? My brother, you know, we have, had, we have dealt with many disease outbreaks and uh, we have succeeded as a nation. Uh, it's also not about pointing fingers, but uh, we have to investigate thoroughly. Uh, we have, um, uh, there is a process of uh, assessing uh, the, uh, the, the outbreak itself, and uh, there are further investigation around uh, the companies that are affected. And uh, we, we, once the, those uh, investigations are concluded, uh, the public will be informed and uh, the trading industry uh, as well as the veterinary services of the well, that's uh, the voice uh, there of Dr. Gwen Ramakhopa there, who is the Gauteng MEC in Health, speaking about uh, the listeriosis outbreak in South Africa. Coming back to our guests who are joining us on the line as we're about to wrap up the discussion. Dr. Juno Thomas, in terms of strengthening things from a, a health infrastructural level uh, to policy measures, what do we have to do to, to actually even support organizations such as yours and also make sure that things are tightened up? So, I mean, in terms of what the NRCD does, you know, we will continue to provide laboratory support for um, whole genome sequencing and isolate verification and epidemiological support. But I think many of the other issues have already been mentioned by the the other um, speakers. So, I mean, we spoke to environmental health, um, you know, having more environmental health practitioners, um, facilitating the reporting structure and making sure that, that foodborne diseases do get reported and do get escalated for appropriate uh, investigation. And then in terms of, you know, re-looking at, at policy, at regulations, at legislation, and at how the various governmental departments and non-governmental stakeholders like you know, um, associations and other stakeholders from the food industry can work together in, in terms of trying to integrate foodborne disease um, mm-hmm. detection and surveillance and outbreak investigation. And also as consumers, I think we've uh, also awakened. You know, I was speaking to a friend of mine, Dr. Thomas, around, uh, you know, how I, I saw my mother always washing chicken before she puts it in the fryer or she puts it in a pot. She's, she's always done this, even when it comes to beef. She's, I've always asked her, like, Mom, why are you even doing this? Why do you have to, to wash 
you know your meat before you even cook it i didn't have that consciousness until now whereby i'm starting to see that uh, how we handle even our foods has become uh, something that we have to also be aware of as consumers i agree absolutely i think that the the public focus on safe food handling and and safe food practice um, has been extremely important. And I think it's, it's something we should all have grown up with. And we should teach our children, the World Health Organization's five keys to safer food. And we should all be aware of things we can do to prevent against getting you know, some of the more common foodborne disease illnesses. And I think that that's, that impetus to promote food safety in the public um, needs to be maintained. Mm. Dr. Mutely, from your perspective, there are a lot of challenges. You are highlighting a, a human resources deficit there, but I'm sure that the, there needs to be a whole lot that needs to be done when it comes to the environment of, uh, of, of foods themselves. The way forward from your perspective. Well, I think one thing that must happen immediately is that we must have something to see to actually spell out the integrated approach. Mm. In other words, the communication, the integrated approach, the response teams, and how we respond to outbreaks. The second issue, which is so important, is that uh, currently now we're taking over the presidency of the International Federation of Environmental Health. South Africa is now the first in Africa to actually do that. And the topic for the World Environmental Day, Environmental Health Day, is food safety and sustainability. So the world has recognized that this is a priority. And I think we must put more emphasis in saying how we can make food safe and how we can sustain it also for the hungry. So that's basically what we are saying, that we are a very big role player in the international arena in terms of food. So we must actually use this lesson that we've learned to expand on this also. Because remember, the cirrhosis is not only in South Africa. Mm. I mean, you've been hearing recently in Australia on Netherlands and it's in Brazil and in other parts of the world. So but the thing is we must be able to contain this. We mustn't let it get into an outbreak situation. Yes, there's been maybe a lack of, um, of um, monitoring in certain places due to the kind of resources that I am saying about. But I think also, while Dr. Thomas is on, uh, on this program, we must look at increasing our laboratory facilities in the country because it takes a long time Mm -hmm. from the time we take the food samples to the time it's being analyzed and the results are received. So it is very, very important that we can move quickly. I know that sometimes all the viruses are very difficult to detect, but at least we need to pay a little bit more attention to actually deal with these issues. Dr. Nkuna, let me wrap it up with you, especially from an imports versus exports uh, perspective. That also is another area where there's been a lot of concerns, and you highlighted them when we started the program. How do we move forward in that regard? I think a lot of changes have already been made in Mm. light of the current outbreak, and there are measures that have been implemented at port of entry to make sure that we do uh, pick up any risky products and that, that the, 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 the product then gets, uh, gets detained or does not come into the country. But I would also agree with Dr. Modern that it's actually important to have good uh, supporting systems in terms of laboratory infrastructure, and that is one of our challenges 
to actually get results quickly so that it doesn't really disrupt the the um, the, 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 the flow. Mm, mm. And also, in, in terms of what we, we, we require of what's coming into the country, it has to be on par with what we, we, we're expecting from local producers. So the same standards must apply across the board so that if product is taxed and ready for sale and that's what, how we want it, then the same should apply for imported products as well. And really this just needs to be um, a lot more vigilant and also we have learned a lot from this problem but I think it has highlighted quite a lot of areas that need to be improved. And there are certain things that have always been implemented mm. but then they were taking too long. Hopefully some of them will be now be implemented quicker as independent meeting testing and other things as well that have been on the pipeline have been waiting to get implemented. And that mm. the appropriate resources will be developed so that that happens. Well, thank you for taking the story forward and uh, thank you for giving us advice on how things can actually move forward. I think it was more of uh, a, a pragmatic and practical uh, program, just looking at what we can do to move things forward. Thank you to Dr. Juno Thomas, head of the Center for Entric Diseases at the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. Thank you for always making time for us. Thank you to Dr. Charlotte Nguna, who has been in a meeting, had to come out of it for us. So we do thank you for making time for us. She's the interim CEO of the South African Poultry Association. Dr. Selva Mudeli, thank you as well for making your time for us, president of the South African Institute of Environmental Health. That's how we wrap it up.